Mary has chosen the better part, and it will not be taken away from her. Choose the better part, and it will not be taken away from you. But I like other versions, other translation of the same uh, statement from Mary, especially the reverse standard version, the Catholic edition. It says, Mary has chosen the good person, the good person, which rightly translates the Greek word there. Because in Psalm 16, we read, the Lord is my person and he is my car. And because he is my person, I welcome the heritage or the inheritance that comes to me. Amen? Amen. Today we continue the gospel from last week. Last week we read the parable of the Good Samaritan. Remember, Jesus was still on his way to Jerusalem, you know, from Galilee, Capernaum, his village, on the way to Jerusalem. And Jerusalem, of course, is a place where he's going to offer himself to die for everyone. So on his way, you remember last three Sundays we read, uh, he went into the village of Samaritan. Last Sunday we also saw the Good Samaritan. And by the way, uh, the Good Samaritan is a symbol of Christ himself, who is on the way to redeem us. Christ as the Good Samaritan, the one who picked all of us up, who lifted us up, from the dungeon of sin, ignorance, and error, all of us represented. Because you see, anytime you see where an unknown name is uh, mentioned in the scripture, because the Good Samaritan is not named, representing all of us. So all of us who have fallen through various afflictions and sin, especially, we have no one to help us, the priest and the Levite, coming, representing various religions and ideologies of our time, did not help us. And Christ, the Good Samaritan, the one rejected, has come with the oil of mercy, with the oil of baptism, the oil of confirmation, the oil of priesthood, to pour on our wounds of sin, to pour on the sin-sick soul of ours, and through the wine of the Eucharist to raise us revive us like this man beaten by robbers. And he takes us to the end, that is the church, so that the church, entrusting us to the church, the church continues that work of nursing us back to her through the sacraments and also through his words. So, living from there, he's on his way going to Jerusalem. And like the Good Samaritan, he paid the price as the redeemer he is, you know, to be a redeemer means to pay a price for something, to be redeemed. So on his way to Jerusalem, he made a stop in the house of Mary and mother. And here we see, most times uh, we read of the old century interpretation of Mary and mother representing the active and the contemplation. But I think that is an unfair interpretation because something much deeper is going on here. So, origin of Alexandra back in the third century talks about this active and contemplation. But there are other layers, so many things coming out here in the gospel. Just like last Sunday, Christ is bringing out 
going beyond boundaries or breaking the barrier of who my neighbor is. The same we see in the life of Mary and Martha. In the first century Palestine, women have roles assigned to them. And at that time, it is only men who sit at the seat feet of a teacher or a master or a rabbi to listen to them because they are being formed to become teachers, to become rabbis. Women at that time were not allowed. If you have time, you can read some of the uh, commentaries of uh, the Jewish book called Talmud. They said it is better, better to burn the, the Torah than to allow a woman to read it or even to interpret. So what is going on here is Mary transcending an invisible boundary within the house of moving away from perhaps the kitchen and sitting at the feet of the master, a kind of becoming intentional and a disciple of Christ by sitting at the feet of Christ. And to many Jewish men, that would, they would be obviously shocked to see a woman sitting at the feet of a man, just looking at him like that, you know, they will be so surprised. So what is going on here is transcending the boundary. Christ is, of course, all through his public ministry, breaking the barriers of everyone who is invited to be a disciple and also to be a teacher of this gospel of love, of hope, and charity as we prayed in the, the opening prayer. So. Mary sat at the feet of Jesus, listening to him. One, breaking that barrier of being welcomed to become part of the ministry of preaching the word of God and or even teaching the word of God. So, but sometimes we try to, you know, interpret that Martha is rebuked for her service, but it is not so much about that. It is something so much about the way she was serving or the way she served, which comes out even in the way I serve and in the way you serve as well. The gospel said she was burdened. Other versions would say she was distracted by her service. So it's not about the service, but the distractions that goes along with serving. The Greek word there talks about uh, brings out the intensity of the distraction. It says, perispao, perispao means to be pulled away from something, to be drawn out, to be taken away. Imagine I come to your house or you have guests in your house. Instead of giving them full attention and someone is sitting there or you're talking to your son and daughter, they're on the phone doing something else. So they are pulled away from giving you that full attention needed by you know, being on the phone and being somewhere else. So that is the kind of distraction that Martha was being rebuked, to be pulled away. And you see that much more in the response of Jesus when he said, why are you anxious? You are anxious and worried about many things. Anxious, anxiety, you know, part of our life. So we are pulled away by so many other concerns and anxiousness, you know, about jobs, about families, about, you know, even now we're sitting here, you might be thinking the next thing to do, we are always on the go. Distracted, you know, when we compromise, we're distracted by many things. So that anxiety is what was going on in the service of Martha. 
the dysfunction comes out much more. Even you will see how Luke is trying to put it together. Earlier in Luke chapter 8, he talks about uh, the parable of the sower. If you read Luke chapter 8, the parable of the sower, how people receive the word of God. You know, some seed fell along the path, others on the rock, and others on the thorns. Those on the thorns, they were shook by the cares and worries of the world. And that is what was happening to Martha. She was shook because the Greek word meritnao is to be shook, to be monopolized by the concerns of things. So to be shook by the concerns and by the care of service that she was not giving a full attention to the guest. But here is Mary sitting at the feet of the master and listening to him. It is not just about listening, but listening, one, to be formed. Listening, two, to be informed. That is caricatural, like I said, men sit at the feet of the masters and teachers. To be formed, and to be informed, and finally, to be transformed. Because by listening to the word, we become transformed. And the uh, first letter to Romans, chapter 10, verse 17, says, faith comes by hearing, and not just by hearing, but by hearing the word of God. So that that word, once received, transforms us, renews us. So we go out and also be about the service like matter. So the matter syndrome coming out in today's gospel is inviting us. Sit a while. You get up in the morning as a priest, you're thinking about parish council, about what to build and what to renovate and maintain. But you have no time to listen to the master, to sit and to be renewed, to be transformed. Or even in the church, maybe you are uh, in the choir, you're thinking about the next hymn number, what is the, but you are not here to listen and to be renewed. Or you get up in the morning, you, don't, you have no time to spend with your kids to know what is going on with them. Two for seven, you leave, five thirty in the morning, come back in the night, go to bed tomorrow, up you back. So when do I have time to listen to the master? To take stock of what is going on in my life. To get up being aware of the presence of God. Onum necessarium, only one thing that is necessary. To be aware of the presence of the one who gives us strength even to go about all these other things. Jesus' response to Martha was, you are worried about many things. What are those many other things? Taking us away, pulling us away, sucking us out from the one thing that is necessary to be in the presence of the Lord, to behold, Psalm 27 talks about, one thing I ask of the Lord, and only this do I seek, to be in his presence, to behold the beauty of his temple, so that if I succeed or attempting to succeed in this one thing, there are many other things that I worry about will fall in line into the one thing. The Gospel of Matthew 6 tells us, seek you first the kingdom and other things will be added. Unum necessarium, only one thing necessary. 
That is how some of the spiritual masters develop what is called today visual divina, visual divina, just to behold the beauty of the cross, perhaps, or even the divine mercy image, use it to pray so that the Lord will form you, inform you, and transform you. If you have time in the remaining summer, there is a book that I will recommend. This book captures the mother syndrome in us today because we are so busy even to have time to be with ourselves or even to be with our families and much more to be with the Lord. The name of the book, the title of the book is Chasing the Daylight. Chasing the Daylight. This man, Eugene O'Kelly, uh, he was the chairman of KP, or KGP and one of the biggest uh, 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 American's uh, accounting uh, firm. So he was the chairman of this uh, firm, KPMG, yeah, one of those. So he was, he got up in the morning and it's about business. Until sometime in May of 20, 2005, he was diagnosed of uh, brain cancer. So he was told he has only 18 months to live. So being in the hospital, now gave him a renewed insight of so many things that we take, you know, we don't even pay attention to. He said, it gave me time to go there, to visit there. And where is the there? In the inner recess of your heart. And many things that we take for granted, the unum necessarium, that once we find, every other thing falls into place. So what Luke is doing here is taking us back in the beginning of his gospel where we read about Mary, the mother of Jesus, in Luke chapter 2, when Mary listened to all of what the shepherd, you know, the visit of the shepherd, she listened to all the shepherd said about the child Jesus. And the word of God says, she treasured all of these things and pondered them in her heart. And here is another Mary in Luke's turn, today's gospel, sitting at the feet of the master, listening and treasuring all of that in her heart. So it is from the listening to be with him that informs to do. So it is by being like we are human beings. We are not human doings. It is by being with him that we can go out to do. You see how contemplation is innately about doing because you sit to listen, to be formed and renewed. Then you go and do. That is what Luke is putting together, what is called inclusive in the beginning of the Gospel, chapter 2, and here midway in chapter 10. So, my dear brothers and sisters, today we gather before him. May we seek always the one thing that is necessary. Of course, of course, God is the only necessary being that we have. All other things and all of us, we are just contingent beings. Contingent in the terms of there was a time we were not here, and there will be a time we will cease to be. And so with many other things that we are anxious about, those things will cease to be. 
but the unum necessarium, the only being that is necessary, whose essence is to be, is God himself, one that once we find these contingent things that we seek, we of course be taken care of. May this be our prayers always through Christ our Lord. Amen.